0: Hi, this is another episode of season two of the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles. And today we get the joy of speaking with Jennifer McGinley the CEO of JLM Strategic Communications, once again, about public relations. Today, we're focusing on what your results should or can look like after 12 months of working with an experienced public relations professional. And now we're focusing on the credibility that you've built and the relationships that are continuing to grow as you experience the give and take with the media industry. Jen had some great insights, so let's go ahead and get started. All right, Jen. So that sounds like a lot of relationship building, honestly. And I think that's a a really key point in terms of talking about public relations with the relationship aspect, you know, because in theory, you know, someone may believe that they can do what it is that you do despite your, you know, many years of experience. Although without that experience, they're not going to do it as well as you can. But in theory, they could try and duplicate it. But one piece that they can't duplicate is going to be those relationships,
1: right? It is. It's all about relationship building and I know who to go to for whatever I need. And also with the media that I am close with or I have relationships with, they know they can trust me. They, they know that I'm there in a crisis to help them and I've done, I worked really, really hard, especially in Philadelphia and in the Baltimore area. If they called me, they knew within 30 minutes to an hour, I have a response and I have an expert ready to be interviewed so that the news truck pulls up, security is there. It is it is a, a seamless process, and my bosses have always said details, details, details. It is all about efficiency. It's about being just really organized and also preparing my experts ahead of time so that when this happens, good, bad, or ugly, we are set to go, and everything is just um, plotted out beautifully, and that, to me, is a dream situation. I mean, I've worked Columbine. I've worked 9-11. I've worked crisis situations, which I enjoy even though it's, it's a, horrible, a horrible crisis, but I'm good under that kind of pressure because I just, I know what needs to be done and um, the media really values efficiency and um, that credibility level and loyalty as well. So impressive. Okay. okay. So one more
0: time, they were paid for that post. And so that's why now, you know, influencers have to identify each post. Hey, I was paid to post this. They have to identify that. So uh, it's interesting, you know, especially tied with that word influence. So according to this paper, this research paper that we read, and it's in uh, sciencedirect.com, I'll include a link in the show notes. um, There are six types of marketing deception or stealth marketing. And the first one is kind of a given. It's the marketer to consumer deception. And that's the premise of the entire movie, Keeping Up with the Joneses. So if you haven't seen this movie before, it's a family who, but they're not actually a family and they move into a suburban neighborhood. It's a son, a teenage son, teenage daughter, beautiful woman, wife, and very handsome husband. And they move into this suburb with the intent of influencing the people to make purchases without disclosing that they're actually marketing. Um, And so the girl, she's trying to get people to buy like makeup and clothes and the boys like sports and electronics and stuff. And then the husband's like high end men look, you know, identified as male luxuries. I'm not saying woman can enjoy a cigar, but you know, typically it's a, uh, it's a male uh, thing. And then, of course, the wife, she's like the ringleader. She's in charge of it. And she tries to get the women to buy like high-end luxuries as well. But, you know, clothing and, and things like that. Things for the kitchen and whatnot. So... I decided that this, so our task for the our project was to determine which type of marketing was the most deceptive or the most harmful. And I decided that marketing or marketer to consumer deception was the most harmful. And the reason why is because as a marketer, I have I feel I have a professional obligation to be ethical and to be honest and to not have anybody feel like they've got the rug pulled out from under them. So I feel like that's always the most harmful. And no matter what type of marketing it is. The buck stops with the marketer who's paying for it or the marketer who's creating it. So, you know, that's that's how I feel about it. So a real life example of this is when Sony hired a marketing company to create a fake fan site to generate buzz for one of their new products to generate sales. And. That for me as a content marketer, I was just, I was outright offended (laughs) when I read about that because I write content and the content, yes, like the content is meant to help generate sales, but it's not framed in a dishonest way. Like these, these, the, the content that I write goes up on company websites and it is meant to help clients or prospective clients or customers make a decision that will make them the most happy. And that is basically my, Reason for creating content. Like, if you get a sale from this, it's because you were the the customer or client decided you were the best solution. And that's what our content is meant to do, not in a dishonest way, but in an informative, entertaining way that helps the customer choose you because you are the best choice. So, the next type of deception the research paper explored was consumer to marketer deception. I feel like this one's really more of a defense mechanism. And so you're like, how does a consumer lie to the marketer? Well, if you've ever gone onto a website, and you needed to give your email address or something, and you gave a you know, a, a throwaway email address that you don't actually check, then that would be you deceiving the marketer. And so, you know, this kind of comes out when everybody's trying to gate things all the time. And, you know, so in the paper, they likened it to people going to the dealership without the intent of buying the car, they just wanted to drive it. The other one was marketer to marketer deception. And that's basically, it could be deceiving current partners so they make poor decisions and you can kind of swoop in and get some of their market share. So that's kind of a, a bit higher up. It's not, you know, direct to the consumer. And then consumer to consumer, I thought this one was really interesting Consumer-to-consumer deception typically involves collecting or influencing without informing. So much like the marketer consumer deception, and their example was the Girls Intelligence Agency, which I didn't even know was a thing, but they employ like 40,000 girls ages 8 to like 29, and they gather intelligence through like slumber parties and stuff. And so basically they're holding focus groups without telling the people who are involved, which is terrible. And then the last two are marketer like self-deception. So marketer self-deception and consumer self-deception. And these, you know, and this happens one of the biggest ones for marketer self-deception. you can kind of see it in like the tobacco companies, how they failed to adapt once all those research studies and things started coming out. they they just kept you know, acting like business was normal. Yeah, we put the warning label on there. Yeah, everything, you know, but it's still good. It's fine. They didn't really do anything, I think, to, with any innovative type marketing to kind of change the discussion around what was going on, you know, especially for tobacco, it's an addictive product. So they're like, yeah, we got these people. It's fine, whatever. And then also consumer self-deception. And I think this is something that as marketers, again, like we are trying to influence people to make purchases. I'm like, Ooh, I need to get a new client. What if I offer a deal on blog posts? If you commit to 10 blog posts and you pay 50% upfront, I will give you two free. That works with a certain type of customer, you know, through, you know, the last very many years. Um, And it was that, you know, you could take soap and clean a black person so well. The soap was so great. It could clean a black person into a white person. And obviously that's incredibly racist and very,